Hello and welcome to The Interview, a podcast that presents conversations with top figures in media and politics. I'm Ada McLaughlin, the editor-in-chief of Mediaite, and this week I spoke to Chris Ruddy, the founder and CEO of Newsmax, a conservative news outlet and TV network that has seen a surge in viewers in the aftermath of the 2020 election. The network has proudly refused to call the race for Joe Biden, something the major outlets, including Fox News, have all done. That refusal has drawn media attention and a massive spike in viewership, as Trump has urged his supporters to dump Fox News for alternative outlets that back his false claim that he won the election until it was stolen by Democrats through mass fraud. Greg Kelly, the top primetime host on Newsmax, has drawn more than one million viewers on some nights, thanks no doubt to his optimistic message that Trump still has a chance at re-election. Chris Ruddy, who is a longtime friend of Trump, told me that the president called him last week to congratulate him on the recent success of the network. He said that the president truly believes he has a shot, albeit a small one, at overturning the results and securing a second term. The evidence presented by Trump's campaign has been lacking. I spoke to Chris Ruddy on Saturday, days after Trump's legal team held a wild press conference during which they presented a series of outlandish conspiracy theories to support their claim that Trump actually won the election. On Saturday evening, a judge had tossed their attempt to challenge the vote in Pennsylvania. On Sunday, the legal team had ousted Sidney Powell, the author of a vast conspiracy theory, alleging that the vote was stolen from Trump by communists, Venezuelan voting machines, and top members of the Republican Party. There are scattered instances of fraud in every election, and 2020 is no different. There is no evidence that the irregularities are great enough this year to overturn the results. While Chris Ruddy concedes that Biden is likely the next president, he maintains that his network is simply holding off on calling the race while there are still pending legal challenges. Once states certify the results, as Georgia did last week for Biden, the network will follow suit. In our interview, we spoke about all of that, as well as the history of Newsmax and what's next for the president, whether it's Trump TV or his own show on a certain conservative news network. Chris Ruddy is the CEO of Newsmax Media. Chris, thank you for joining us. Aiden, thank you for having me. So your network is having a moment. Uh, Newsmax TV is experiencing a, a surge in ratings and in press coverage in the wake of the election as President Donald Trump, who is a friend of yours, has been calling on his supporters to leave Fox News for conservative alternatives like OANN and your network. Before we get to the state of conservative media and the landscape as it is right now, could you give us a little history of Newsmax? Well, we've been around for over 20 years, so I don't want to spend too much time on the history of it, (laughs) but I started as a digital media company in 1998 with Newsmax.com. And we were a real force, I think, through uh, the 2000s uh, on web. I, I think we've been the leading conservative online media outlet, certainly in terms of revenues and reach on all our different platforms. We have emails. Millions of people get our emails every day. Um, Newsmax Magazine, we have about a half a million monthly readers there. And then we were really the first to adopt the idea of video on the conservative landscape, and then the first to have an OTT channel, and the first to build out a a cable news channel from the web that was 24-7. I think we're the pioneers in that. And uh, and I think it's been a success. And uh, uh, and Newsmax TV, when I started that uh, five or six years ago, people said, you'll never get on the cable systems. Well, we've signed with every major cable operator. Um, We reach uh, close to 70 million homes. And with the OTT, paid homes and others were well over 100 million homes. So we have an incredible reach uh, on television and um, the ratings have been good, as you mentioned. So the, the ratings have been particularly good in the last couple of weeks. How do you explain the, the surge in viewers? Well, I see it a little differently. Um, we've really stepped up our programming since 
January when Greg Kelly started our nighttime show, Greg Kelly Reports. That's been our leading show. We added Sean Spicer in March. We started doing a lot of promotional efforts for Newsmax TV last year. So August of 2019, Comscore, which tracks TV set box data, showed that we had 2.8 million total viewers, unique viewers on our channel on cable. And then in August of 2020, they had that at 9.6 million. So it was like a four, almost four times increase. Hmm. Um, so the surge you talk about has been really un, well underway. And people knew about us, have known about us. I think on election night, a lot more people became quite upset or disgusted with Fox and changed over. Newsweek did a story the next morning citing all of these Twitter people saying they were outraged by Fox coverage. And they were tuning into Newsmax. And we were a known quantity and have been a known quantity. So I think that really helped our situation. You mentioned the the sort of editorial decision on behalf of Fox News, which was calling Arizona early for Joe Biden. Uh, they called, they were the first network to call it. Uh, the Associated Press followed soon afterwards. But Fox News really stepping out there and calling it, you know, when, when votes were still being counted, it was still incredibly close. Uh, do you think that that played a big role in pushing viewers of Fox to say, okay, we're going to seek out alternatives that would perhaps wait a little longer to call a state like Arizona? I, I think it's very fishy what Fox did that night. And it became, you know, the viewers aren't fooled as we saw. I mean, they wouldn't call Florida. Newsmax was the first to call Florida, but other networks started calling after. It's pretty clear that Trump was going to win there and quite handily. And um, they just refused to do it. Meanwhile, they called Arizona about two hours later, shortly after polls closed with only 14% of the ballots in, and made no sense. They were the only ones. AP did call it shortly after Fox, but uh, they were they were sort of hanging out there. It's still a very close. Uh, I know the results are going to be soon certified. It looks like uh, Biden will win, but it was very premature to call that, I think. and. Um, it gave a sense that they were trying to help Biden. I heard that people were still uh, online to cast votes out there, and it certainly might have impacted other states in Nevada. Um, so I don't know what they were thinking, but they they had this uh, desire, uh, I think, to not show that they were supportive of Trump, uh, even if the facts, uh, like Florida and and the projection there, would would be something that would be considered reasonable. Now, do, do you think that the the sort of viewer uh, exodus, which has been we've observed over the last week from Fox, uh, people I've spoken to at Fox News would counter that it's the dominant network, uh, dominant conservative network, that this is a temporary problem for them. As soon as Trump concedes defeat and things cool off, viewers will come back because Fox News is the best funded, it's the best produced, and it has the biggest stars. Do you think that's true? Do you think this is a temporary trend, or do you do you see this as more of a permanent? exodus from Fox News? It really doesn't matter because, as I said, we were growing steadily, incrementally all the time. So people were tuning in and staying. And so I believe that the trend is in our favor, whether it's, uh, they suddenly get Trump back on or they do this or that. To me, I just see it's more of a war than a battle. I, and, you know, it's great that we had this surge. I'm not a big person looking for surges and pops and things that uh, sort of go, I prefer slow, steady in everything I do. Um, and so, but I think it's great. I think viewers, I think there's a sensibility Fox wants to change. I would not be surprised. I think they're 
been schizophrenic as a network. On one hand, the opinion shows have been totally devoted to, to President Trump, probably beyond where they should have gone. And then the daytime shows in the weekend with Chris Wallace and Cavuto and Shep Smith when he was there. Um, Judge Napolitano was, was highly critical of the president on the other side. Now look at CNN and MSNBC. They've been quite consistent. They, you, you tune in and their hosts are, and the opinion shows anti-Trump, the daytime's anti-Trump, even the Republican contributors. I think there was a study that showed the MSNBC and CNN contributors, 80% of the Republicans endorsed Joe Biden. Uh, and we just went through an election where 94% of Republicans voted for Donald Trump. Uh, so, you know, when they, the whole idea of fair and balanced at CNN and MSNBC is a joke. And I think Fox was trying to take this weird middle position, but it wasn't consistent. And, in, and you know, inconsistency breeds discontent, and especially in the environment that we live in today. But I think that Fox wants to unbridle itself from Trump. I think they're waiting till January 20th when he leaves office. They'll, they'll make that uh, even clearer that they want to disconnect from him. And, um, you know, it's probably going to be good for Newsmax. Where would you say that Newsmax lands on the ideological spectrum? If Fox has this sort of, you know, identity crisis where the news people are skeptical of Trump and the primetime people are boosting him and, you know, CNN and MSNBC are pretty much all out uh, against the president, where does Newsmax land on that spectrum? I have never done a chart. I don't really, I mean, how do you really compute such a thing? Some, mm -hmm. I think we're center right. I've always kept Newsmax online. One of the reasons all the cable operators took us is they realized we weren't Trump TV. I've always sought to bring in liberals. I've always sought to get, uh, we always cover very negative things about the president, but we also give his side, which he likes. And, you know, we try to be balanced in our coverage online. We've tried to do that on TV. Um, we don't have an, um, I think Newsmax, I think really where you see the etymology of Fox is Roger Ailes. And Roger was a brilliant guy, but he was a campaign strategist for 30 years. That was most of his professional work was political campaigns. I come out of journalism and I've done that for 30 years. So I want to, even though I'm admittedly a conservative and generally support the Republican Party, although I'm not registered one, and I have been a friend of Donald Trump, I still want to go back to my roots and sensibilities about journalism. I think there's a market for it. And Newsmax has proven it. And I, I don't see us taking, you know, if anything, big tent that Reagan saw and Bill Buckley and others, I think we are more representative of that than Fox News. You mentioned uh, not wanting to be Trump TV. There was a splashy Wall Street Journal report out earlier this week that reported that a private equity firm was considering investing in Newsmax to sort of make it into a Trump TV once the president leaves office to rival Fox News. You seem to have dismissed that idea. What, what's your take on it? Well, I have nothing against Trump TV. If the president wants to do that, I think it's a great idea for him and he should do it. It's just not a news channel, right? So I'm, I have no plan to turn Newsmax into Trump TV. I would be more than happy if the president wanted to come on the channel even if he had a show, I don't think he'd ever want to have a daily show. 
But I, I think he's got an important voice and will continue to have that. Uh, as to the financial thing, I usually don't get into all the details, but this Wall Street Journal person claimed that they did a good article, uh, um, Keach, um, and she she did a good article on it, but it was it was not, I mean, I have never had any plan to sell the company. I get approached by numerous people to invest and to um, buy the company through the years. Um, and, you know, if somebody has a conversation with me about it, that doesn't mean that we ever had a plan to do it. And I wasn't confirming or denying this. Uh, she indicated that there was a document floating around that had something about buying three networks, of which I was one, and raising $200 million. Um, the valuation of Newsmax would be higher than $200 million. I don't know. They, there was no authorization given Newsmax by any group to go out and solicit funds, nor was it a deal based on doing it. So it sort of came to me as a surprise. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and uh, I don't think anyone should read that into that and think Newsmax is becoming Trump TV. You speak to the president regularly. Let's say he leaves the White House in January. What, what's your best bet for what he does next? He's going to do what he's always done, which is be a media influencer, star, mm -hmm. political force. He's going to go back to building his businesses. I think he's probably already thinking along those lines. He really hasn't been that interested in his businesses over the past four years. I know that's not like the media spin on him, but uh, he really, as far as I could see, has not really been involved at all. Mm -hmm. And I think he'd like to probably rebuild his brand, rebuild his um, outlets uh, here in the United States, maybe globally. He is a fort. I mean, he's an international. He's more famous now. I was friends with Ed Koch, and um, Ed, Ed almost thought about suicide uh, when, he, when he left the mayoralty. It was that disappointing losing power. Hmm. And um, but, you know, later he admitted to me he became more powerful than being mayor uh, and more influential. Now, you don't necessarily write laws, but you can pick. I mean, he helped Giuliani get elected. He helped Bloomberg get elected. Um, and so anyway, my view is Donald Trump could be more influential outside the Oval Office. And he may discover that. Um, so anyway, that's where I think he's going. Almost like a sort of kingmaker in the Republican Party and in conservative media, maybe. Um, certainly a kingmaker in the Republican Party. I don't know what he's planning on Newsmax uh, to do with us or, or mm -hmm. involvement in other conservative media. I haven't asked him. I just, just you know, I think he's not going to be involved with like one channel because he's an omnivore when it comes to media. He likes all media and mm -hmm. If you look how he handled himself before he became president, he did a weekly gig on Squawk Box with Joe Kernan. He was on CNN all the time on the shows. He was on Fox and Friends every week with a regular stint, but he was on all their shows. He was on MSNBC pretty regularly. He was on everything. He was on Twitter in a Facebook presence. So I think he's going to continue doing that and... You know, I, it's hard to predict how influential, but I think he will remain influential uh, in a significant way.
Now, we're speaking about this as if he is going to be leaving the White House in January, but he has yet to actually concede the election to Joe Biden. Do you know that if he has any plans to do so? Well, I spoke to him. He rang me on something on congratulating me on Newsmax ratings, actually, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And um, he seemed to think, we talked a bit about the election recount, that he was in a strong position to, uh, to win the election. He does think it was stolen, and he thinks that the the recounts are going to benefit him or the legal actions. He's very positive, for instance, on Michigan, he mentioned to me. Um, So my view on it is Newsmax is, um, you know, it was five states. He has legal challenges where there was 1% or less of the vote. Two of the states are a half a percent. One of the state, Georgia, was a quarter of a percent. The president should have his recounts. The media shouldn't call those states while the recounts are underway. We did call Georgia yesterday on Newsmax for Joe Biden. And that was based on a state certification, which we said we would do based on the state certification. And, um, you know, we'll call the election as those certifications come in. Part of what Newsmax has been saying is that they're going to wait for state certifications to come in. Is that sort of a new policy? I mean, I assume in 2016, you called states for Donald Trump uh, before those states had certified. And certainly, uh, as you mentioned, you called, Newsmax TV called Florida for Trump on the night of the election. Is this a, a sort of a, a new thing where you're waiting for states to actually certify the vote before projecting a, a winner? I, I don't think uh, in 16, our nightly presidential news coverage on the election was robust enough that we were making calls this time. Mm-hmm. We worked with Decision HQ, mm-hmm. um, which is a prominent news analysis desk, one of the best, actually. They said it had one of the best records. Um, and we worked with them on our, our calls and reporting, although we ultimately made the decisions. Um, I think the 16 election was different because it wasn't contested by Hillary in any of the states. Um, I mean, she said in August that under no circumstances should Joe Biden concede. And it sounds like she wouldn't have done it now looking back. Um, so I, I, I think we were right in what we we're doing because the, one of the contestants said, Hey, wait a minute. I don't accept the results. I want to recount. That didn't happen in 16. It did happen in the 2000 election. And I think Newsmax was like all other media, which is like, stand down, wait till Al Gore gets his recount and see what happens. And that dragged on until December. And I don't remember any press saying, why doesn't Gore just concede and get this over with? The difference has been pointed out is that that uh, was one state. It was a matter of 500 votes. Now with the Trump-Biden election, we have Georgia just certified the vote after after doing a, another recount by hand. The The margins barely changed. Trump is, has lost Michigan by some 150,000 votes. I can't imagine a recount's going to change that to any significant degree. As it stands, do you think Trump actually has any chance of, of overturning the results and, and getting a second term here? Well, I think he has a small chance. I wouldn't say it's not a zero, um, but, you know, it's very, very difficult to do. And part of it is, I think the law, basically our system presumes that if you're going to make the challenges, you have to be ready to make them before election day on how the ballots are processed or shortly thereafter, and that was clearly not set up. So it's sort of the campaign's fault here. Mm. And, you know, this is an unusual election because we had the highest number. Usually mail-in ballots and absentee ballots have traditionally been a very small part of the vote count. 
because of COVID, that was very different. And if you look at states like Pennsylvania, I mean, it looks like they were making up the rules as they went along, which is a real bad thing to do. And I think that if the Trump people had a good legal team behind it, they could take that all the way to the Supreme Court and win the state of Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, you're speaking about the extension of the uh, deadline for mail-in ballots by three days. That's that's one of the things, the failure to let monitors even look at the ballots in certain Democratic counties. But I don't think the courts, even if Trump is right, the courts are going to try to give him Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, based on a similar principle. I don't think the courts want to be perceived like they're overturning, especially where you had a can I win the popular vote by three or four million? It's just not going to happen. So he would need to do Pennsylvania, I think it's a legal challenge, and then flip by recount Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Like Governor Scott Walker comes on Newsmax TV and he says he doesn't think they can do the the switch and just, you know, moving 20,000 votes in Wisconsin. You know, he said typical recount might do 500 votes. Um, so I just don't see where they're going to uh, accomplish this. I think the idea of going to the state legislatures and asking them not to present the electors is wackadoodle and mm-hmm. just is, is not smart and not good. And um, so I do think at a certain point there has to be an acceptance. But right now I would I would hold off until those certifications come in over the next week. Now, I, I want to talk about the, the sort of rift I've noticed between a few uh, outlets in conservative media and your prime Newsmax's primetime coverage, which has been uh, getting a lot of attention recently. So Greg Kelly, who is your top evening anchor, if I'm not mistaken, has been telling viewers that Trump has a chance of winning this election. There's a series of conservative outlets yesterday. I, I'm thinking the Washington Examiner, National Review, the Wall Street Journal Editorial Board that have all come out and said, told Trump, you know, it's time to accept defeat. There is no way you're going to win this election. And none of these legal challenges are have found any evidence of voter fraud that would amount to overturning any of these states. Why do you think there is a rift between what top hosts at Newsmax are saying and what others in conservative media are saying? Well, I don't know. I think there's a lot of conservative media saying that Trump has a shot and certainly the recounts. I think the discussion of voter fraud is good because might lead to reforms in later elections. And I think it's good that some of this is being, I don't know if it's that widespread, but it's certainly anecdotal. And we see a history of this in big democratic cities that you know is not healthy for democracy. And everybody I think should support voter integrity. Um, so I, Greg Kelly is our number one star. I mean, he's pulling almost a million Nielsen every night on Newsmax TV. Uh, I think he's pretty balanced. He says he thinks the president has a chance. I, I would agree with that. Uh, he doesn't say it's certain. He'd like to see more evidence, and he'd like to see some legal victory, as far as I can see in his shows, when he talks about it. And that he says that hasn't happened yet. Um, but, you know, I think it's good. It's not, you know, every host and every anchor on Newsmax has that view, I don't think. Um, so, you know... I think it's okay. I don't think anything he's, he's not arguing any conspiracy or anything unusual. I think it's, it's pretty sound stuff. And it's a reason why we're, we're booming. We had more than we have close to 3 million people have downloaded our free Newsmax TV app on their smartphone, on their iPhone and Android. I mean, it's off the charts. What's happened 
with Newsmax. And um, I think it's people are voting with their fingers on the remote controls on their cell phones. And they're saying, hey, I want something more. And I'm tired of Fox, you know, um, not sort of sharing my, their, their, their sensibilities. Trump's legal team, and this was noted in these sort of in the National Review and the Wall Street Journal pieces, they're alleging at these press conferences that there is this massive historic conspiracy in which, you know, Venezuelan developed voting machines are stealing the election from Trump, that there's a communist element to this, that George Soros is involved. Meanwhile, their legal challenges are getting thrown out of courts. I mean, and mainly it seems it's because the lawyers are not actually presenting any evidence of fraud. And the assumption is that lawyers know you can't lie in a courtroom. So Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell go out and hold these press conferences where they make these vast claims. But in courts, this stuff is just getting struck down. And I think a lot of people looking at these facts have just accepted that the fight is over. And it seems to me like prolonging it only really just does damage to elections and sort of poisons the well for the next administration. I don't think it poisons. Um, there were people that had look at all of the stories that came out after Hillary and that the Russians had hacked into computers. If you look back, there was a lot more positive press about the concept that um, people could hack into the software of voting machines. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of stories pointing out where it had happened or had people had successfully tried to do it. So this was not as easily dismissed by a lot of mainstream media uh, four four years ago. And now the shoe is on the other foot and they're thinking, well, maybe it's all fine, the software. I have no evidence that Dominion Systems, and we've cautioned all our people not to say that Dominion Systems engage in any fraud or uh, malfeasance. However, one of the president's attorneys said she has evidence. We'd like to see what that is, uh, Sidney Powell. Rudy's alluded to it. The president has criticized Dominion. Um, I believe Dominion acquired a company that did the Venezuelan elections in 2012, where Chavez was reelected. And and there was a lot of concern at that time. They were paid $15 million. Um, He won by a big margin, and that was their hanky-panky, and there was a lot of concern that that was not a free and fair election. Um, I don't have evidence that it's controlled by Venezuelans today. What I find fascinating about this debate about Fox News and the way that they're covering the election is, from my perspective, and I'm I'm wondering if you agree with this, is that I think a lot of the news coverage has sort of consolidated around this idea that most of what the president and his legal team and allies are floating is baseless and not particularly strong in terms of evidence. I mean, just talking about the the evidence that you mentioned that Sidney Powell says she has, at a certain point, if someone says they have evidence, but that the evidence is coming, you'd expect them to just present the evidence. And I think the news side at Fox News is having this having trouble sort of smacking down all these theories. And then the opinion side is caught in this position where they f- do fear that viewers are fleeing to other outlets. But then again, they have a tough time sort of endorsing a lot of these sort of wilder conspiracy theories. And I think at a certain point, all outlets are going to have to come around to the view that President Bi- or, or uh, Joe Biden will be the next president. I'm wondering when the elections in these various states are certified in the coming weeks, let's say that Joe Biden is declared the winner by these states, will Newsmax declare him the next president? Yeah, yes. 
as soon as the states certify, we called Michigan and Wisconsin, although they haven't certified, but we did not believe there was going to be a big challenge. There has turned out to be a big legal challenge. Mm-hmm. But those certifications will be in shortly, I think, on both of those states. And we've already said we prepared to call whoever the winner is. Um, and that looks like Joe Biden right now. So there's no issue. I think we're I think we're taking the very sensible approach. We had a very divided electorate. One of the contestants is in a very ex- extremely close race in these states saying, hey, wait a minute, I want to recount. And you have the press saying, oh, no, you're a conspiracy theorist. Stop it. Accept the result. And an election where so many ballots came in on the mail-in. Now, I think the real issue is how the mail-ins were. You have states like Georgia, where they had previously had a rejection rate, I think, in the last election of 3.5%. This time it was like 0.3%. And one of the reasons they say is that the, the Secretary of State agreed that they would not match signatures on the voter files. To me, this is insane. Why do you even give a signature if it's not going to be verified and check, check to see that there's somewhat of a match? Usually these things don't have to match perfectly. And that is an invitation of fraud. And it's just crazy that you have Democrats saying you don't need to have a signature match. I just think you lose, you know, and they're upset that half the country is upset with the mainstream media and don't trust Joe Biden and don't want to think there's a deep state and all of this. It's because of the insanity of some of the arguments they're making and positions they're taking. I mean, and- I, I think I just Nancy Pelosi's calling for 16 year olds to get the vote. I mean. Is that the craziest thing you've ever heard? I do. I mean, you know, California, they want illegal aliens to sit on juries. They're not even citizens. It's just beyond belief some of the positions the Democrats, I think, are taking. And it's way, way outside the mainstream of even, I think, traditional Democratic voters. Do you not have a fear, though, that when Newsmax eventually declares Joe Biden the winner of the election, that you will have the same problem that Fox News had, where viewers will tune out en masse because they are still under the impression that this election was stolen from President Donald Trump? I don't care if I lose half my audience. Somebody said yesterday in our news team, you know, you're going to possibly really get people angry if we call Georgia. I said, it's ridiculous. We're calling Georgia if the state certify. We, that's the right thing to do, and it's the appropriate thing. We're going to stand by it. But I, you know, I just think there's a certain disequilibrium. You know, this Steele report that came out that was just total. Just it found out to be like totally contrived, almost. Like I don't think there's many things even in it, and and it was created by the DNC, led to fifty million dollars worth of investigations by Robert Mueller and Congress and the Senate. 500 witnesses. They never found any evidence of anything. And yet the press, CNN and MSNBC, said two or three years, they're still talking about this as if it did happen, the Russian collusion. And Trump makes a few allegations about voting fraud where there is, in some cases, basis, and he's a conspiracy theorist. I mean, I think Fox is okay when Tucker attacks Sidney Powell and says, where's the evidence of your attacks? think he's justified but to spend his whole 10 minute monologue on it when he doesn't talk about any of the legitimate things they said in 90 minutes it's a typical sort of liberal way of attacking conservatives you find one little thing you blow it out of proportion to try to destroy the credibility of the president's key legal advisor 
And, you know, the, I think the Fox viewers see through it immediately. And that's why they're, they're not against him asking for Sidney Powell to show evidence. I've said that she should show evidence if she's making an allegation. But I think there should be balance about his criticisms of Trump, his criticisms of the media and things like that. And you're seeing Fox is trying desperately to skew against the president to try to get their audience to start like not accepting his arguments and legitimacy in the recount. And I think there where we're, if you go to Newsmax now, we'll have both sides. We'll give mm-hmm. the, your mainstream media attacks and we'll have the president's supporters. Just as far as the uh, Sidney Powell claim that that uh, Tucker Carlson was asking for evidence on, and he had his sort of own little spat with her about that, you know, I, I think the the claim that she was making, you you can say that it's sort of extrapolating one small claim made in the press conference and then and using it to dismiss the entire uh, legal argument that the Trump team is making, but it, it is a fairly outlandish claim, and it was made without presenting any evidence in support of it. A lot of the the claims to support it are false. Do, do you not think it's a problem for the president? legal team to be creating, it seems, kind of an alternate information universe for people who are desperate to get any good news about their candidate after he has apparently lost an election. I mean, at a certain point, it feels like it's infantilizing them. You know, is there not a duty to say, okay, it's time to grow up to accept the results here. None of the none of our arguments about, about voter fraud are going to be big enough to overcome these margins in these states. Aiden, I think you make a good point. I don't think it's a smart strategy. I always believe in telling the truth mm-hmm. on t- these type of things. I think truth is your best defense and the best weapon that you've got. And I think overstating things hurts credibility. But um, I'm not privy. She says she's going to release evidence of some of this. I'd like to see it, just like you would. Um, but I do think it's, they should produce evidence if they're making allegations. I do think they have a lot of serious allegations about the process and the ballots. I mean, I, it's just you go into counties like Philadelphia and they wouldn't let the Republican monitors see the ballots, as there, it was the, which had previously been done in other elections. Um, I wouldn't want that to be done in a Republican county against Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, these are... These are all things that are going like that are going to courts, and I think that's the, the the great thing that you both you and I can be grateful about here in this election is that claims can be made, and then they are eventually presented in front of a judge, and they either get deemed to be you know not credible or they will go through the process. I, One, I, I would yeah. disagree a little bit with that. I think the courts mm-hmm. are highly political, and I think they where they do not want to interfere because it's such a short time span and other reasons where they may see the argument, but they're saying, hey, I'm not going to overturn this election at this point. So, yes. I will say I that mean, I, I was reading and, uh, Andrew McCarthy the other day, and he pointed out that, that a lot of these uh, cases are getting thrown out by Trump appointees or by appointees that have been appointed by Republican uh, office holders. So I do- well, it's you to know, my point that the, mm-hmm. no judge wants to look like they're interfering in election. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's probably good, but it's just, it's not like the- the safety valve, I think, for a candidate. Let, let me ask you one more question. There was a rumor that went around recently, I believe on Parler, that Tucker Carlson was leaving Fox News for Newsmax. It was it was a, f- a fake post. I'm not sure what the origins were. But I'm curious, uh, are there hosts on Fox News that you would like to see at Newsmax? I, I think there's a lot. I wouldn't want to say anyone specifically. And we have had no conversation with Tucker Carlson. I respect him. I think he's incredible conservative voice. I think he's uh, 
a great guy. I've known him for a while, but I'm not close to him. But uh, I met him, I think, when he was a writer for The Spectator 20 years ago. But he is a great voice. And, you know, if he ever was leaving Fox, we would love to have a conversation with him. And many of the other people at Fox were certainly open to having a conversation. Um, but there's no one that we're actually pursuing um, or having conversations with. A lot of them have contractual obligations not to even have a discussion until they're at the very end of their contract. Uh, you may be familiar with those type of contracts. So it's not mm-hmm. unusual. But, you know, when, Fo- when, News- when Fox started, everybody forgets most of their talent. Sean had never, Hannity had never been on TV before. O'Reilly was not that well known in political circles, even though he had been on Inside Edition and most of their other hosts nobody had heard of. And so I think the idea here, I think people like fresh faces and if they're good personalities and they're resonating and connecting with the audience, that's really more important than just saying, oh, I have a famous name arriving. Um, And so it's proven to us that you don't need all these famous names. But a uh, but a show for President Donald Trump would not be out of the question after January. Well, we certainly entertained it. I want to say that it's indefinite. I mean, he's a hard guy to negotiate. <laughs> I've heard. I, I I jokingly have said that if I gave him five percent of Newsmax, he'd own ninety five percent. But um, <laughs> you know, he drives a hard bargain. He's a good negotiator. And but I, I again, I just. Uh, I, it's it's not like we're sitting there waiting for Donald Trump to come. I think Newsmax is going to be a force, whether we have Donald Trump on or board on board or not. It's not some priority agenda item, and I want to sort of make that clear to people. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Interview. Please subscribe to The Interview on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and look out for our coverage of my conversation with Chris Ruddy on Mediate.com.